0: Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of your Son, the, the gift of uh, a community that is focused and um, centered around the worship of Jesus. And that to Him and through Him and for Him are all things. And that includes our own hearts. And we want to be in love with Him. Um, focused on Him, awed by who He is. Because when we see Him, we see the Father. And so help us by Your Spirit to to have right affections for You, the Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in loving You to love each other. So we pray that You make this um, a reality in our lives, that You continue to grow us in the grace of of um, right affections for you and your Son, and for each other in Christ. And as we come to the Word this morning, uh, we pray that you do that again for us. Move our hearts this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to zero in on the Ten Commandments over the next few weeks. Um, I say a few weeks. There's ten of them, you do the math. Uh, So, we're going to look at the first one today. Um, but but before we get into uh, the first commandment, it's in Exodus twenty. Exodus twenty. Uh, we'll be zeroing in on verse three. But before we do that, let's let's um, let's kind of do a little bit of orienting of our heads where we are. How are the ten commandments given to the people? They're spoken. Who speaks them? God. All right. If God speaks, what do we call that? Revelation. revelation. <clears throat> uh, th- th- this may be obvious, but but what does what does that make these ten declarations, these ten commandments? If it's revelation, what do we call that? What would it be? Okay. Yes. The word of God. The word of God right. <laughs> So God's speaking, it's his word, um, and that means it's his law that we the, these aren't um, suggestions, these aren't um, things that we can say, oh that's Old Testament, right? This is how he spoke, this is what He. This is how he revealed himself to his people on this mountain. Uh, it's a law that begins with him, and since God is truth, his law is truth. A couple of, couple of Things to think through. Psalm 138.2. Uh, the psalmist says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name and for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. What an incredibly high view of God's word that he places on his word. As high as his own name. Uh, Psalm 119, uh, 160. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So these are not throwaway filler words in the Bible. Um, he begins with self identification. Let's look at, at chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am, does that sound familiar? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. How does he identify himself? The Lord your God. The Lord, your God but begins with what? I am. What are the pronouns being used here? Personal, personal. personal. It's very personal. This is direct identification, I. I am. I am personal and I am your God. You're my people. There's a very, there's a there's a first person, independent pronoun, I. Then there's your God. There's a dependent, second person pronoun.
1: Didn't you say last week that the second person pronoun there
0: was singular? It's singular, yes. And I was just going to make that. What why was the importance of it being singular? Because it's
1: like, it's not talking to Israel as like a group, as like, okay, well, I'm just kind of the ambiguous God of like this ambiguous group.
0: Right, and collectively. It has the idea of they are a covenant community. Each one is responsible for the covenant to fulfill it for the benefit of the community. Right, It's a communal and covenant idea of your God. It's a, um, he begins with self-identification, I am Yahweh. There's a covenant name of God, I am that I am. Uh, and it's the same identification throughout the whole book, from the burning bush forward. That's how he identifies himself throughout Exodus and, uh, and later on. But he does something here. He ties the deliverance from Egypt to the giving of this law. There's redemption, then there's a call for obedience. Do you see that? Right? There's redemption from the people uh, of Egypt, the slavery in Egypt, to the mountain to, to have obedience. I am, you shall. You see how that setup is? Right? I am the one who delivered you, you shall. Okay. Um, He is king. He has a right to call for obedience, but the obedience he calls for that he demands is to be characterized by this first commandment. The thing that I want us to get out of today is that this commandment sets the tone for everything else. What's it calling for? What's it calling for? You shall have no other gods before me. Ambiguous? Pretty clear? You shall have no. No is very emphatic in the Hebrew, as it is in English. You shall have no. You shall not. Calls for the stewardship of our affections. Right? You can't have something else vying for your heart and have no other gods before me. Do do we see that? It starts out with right affections. You're not going to obey the rest of this without right affections for God, for who He is. You shall have no other gods before me. Um, there's, There's not an obsession with others' affections. Right? It is singular, second person. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't, you know... Uh, you're you're having other, you know, we're not pointing at other people all the time, looking at their affections. We're, we've got to first work on our own heart, right? It starts with the individual heart and then the greater context of community. My sin affects you, and it starts at this point. Well, it just says, uh, know that God's before me. That means that He needs to be the highest one. Is that, is that what he's talking about? Before me, I mean... He can be the Zeus of my panoply of gods. It's all good. Is that what he's talking about? Well, he had just proven that he was higher than, than all the other gods were fake. They really had no excuse. Okay. I have a, I have a footnote that says, or besides. <clears throat> or besides. So not before, but besides me. <laughs> and that's the context of the language that's used. The before me used elsewhere is in front of me. Or again, over and against me. Those are the, that's the idea behind that before me. It'd be like, a, you know, if I told Tammy, Tammy, <laughs> I will have no other women higher than you. All these others mean nothing compared to you, but they're still there. How would that go over?
1: <laughs>
0: now, she's, she's a sweet person, but she can shoot dead on. And... and <laughs> I have a feeling that would not go well from the longevity of me, um, because why? She's rightly jealous for that relationship. Don't even bring this before me. Don't even have a hint of this in front of me, right? That's what's going on here. God's jealous for this covenant affection. Know that God's before me is is a is a heart orientation. Do, does that make sense? Okay. What's in view here? What's in view here? What kind of concept of deity is he putting forth here? Lots of gods?
1: Well, he's, he said, um, I'm the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, and another word that he gives me for before me is in the presence of me. Mm-hmm. And through the um, deliverance out of Egypt, it's clear that he was the only one. God was the
0: only one. So, what do we call that? One God. There's a very Mono- technical term. Monotheism. monotheism. He is putting forth the idea of monotheism here. Well, I say putting forth the idea. It, he's revealing reality. It, it, this is it. But to them, what, is that a strange concept to the Israelites? To the Israelites? No. To Hebrews? Where where are they coming from? What what? So they're coming from Abraham, which was
1: a polytheist. Didn't
0: he started out as a polytheist. They're coming out god, of Egypt. But where are they coming out they're immediately in the context? Out of the land of Egypt. What do we talk about about the land of uh, talk about about? What do we talk? What do we discuss concerning the land of Egypt and the, and their religious understanding? They Had a god for everything. They Had a god for everything. In fact, in antiquity, we we talked about the idea. There I did it again. They
1: had a distinct god for everything.
0: For everything.
1: Night.
0: night. Well, well, that uh, is. Yes. Night was the absence of the sun god. Right, right, right. That was when the sun god was asleep. Well, there was, a, well, there was, a, there was an other world. Well, yeah, okay, they had a god for everything. You know, the, <laughs> like, the peculiarities of Egyptian religion. Um, there's lots of gods for lots of things. And in fact, we said that in, as, as ancient religions go, as ancient cultures go, the Egyptians were the most polytheistic of any of the cultures. The polyest of most polyest. Poly- Did I say that? Right? I okay. I was, I, I was the, Okay, thank you. I, that that's why. I can't remember. <laughs> All right. They had just escaped Egypt, um, and, 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 and the polytheistic culture of, of Egypt was was the greatest humanity is, has known, and, and it's only been rivaled by, by the Americans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that's been rivaled. So the Hebrews themselves... At one point, had worshipped these false gods of Egypt. Look at Ezekiel 20, 5 through 8. Ezekiel 20, 5 through 8. What the prophet says about this time in Israel's history?
1: What's the Ezekiel
0: what? Ezekiel 20. through And say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. There's that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The English translation's uh, cheap way of saying Yahweh. Uh, On that day, I swore to them, that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on. Every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, but they rebelled against me and and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So we're still dealing with idolatry in the Hebrew camp. They're still doing it. Okay. We have a negative command here. You shall not have uh, any other God before me. Is there a positive implication here? I'm it. What's that call for? What is that calling for? I'm the only God. Obedience. A response. Obedience what's the response? Worship Worship of whom? The, the, one true God. the one true God. He's calling for devotion to him alone. Right? That's the foundation of, of uh, all true religion uh, is monotheism. Right? Uh, God brokers no rival. When we talk about idolatry, what are we talking about? That's a nice big word we like to throw around. Well, what does that mean? Idolatry. Anything you, set the Lord? Anything you set before the Lord, okay? Exchanging
1: His glory for something. Else.
0: That's Romans one language there. Yeah, exchanging His glory for something else.
1: Anything that you worship.
0: Anything that you worship, okay? That's not God. That's not God. I'm glad you finished that. <laughs> Anything that you love. More than God. More than God. Okay.
1: Well, what I like, had a
0: personality that could uh, give them something that they wanted yeah, That they had power we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but you're right the images um, that they believed that housed the presence of the deity. Yep. It wasn't the deity itself that they were that they, they worshiped it was the the, the the idol housed the presence of the deity that they worshiped. Um, <coughs> Martin Luther defined idolatry this way whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your God. Trust and faith of the heart alone make both God and idol. Uh, G.K. Beale adds to Martin Luther's definition, uh, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon for ultimate security, which I think is a good good addition to that. Um, The first commandment strikes at our affections. It strikes at our affections. God, like a spouse, demands our love exclusively Yet monotheism in and of itself is incomplete, isn't it? It's incomplete. What completes it? Trinity. The Trinity. Jesus. Always a good answer in Sunday school. <laughs> the triune God is that one true God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, when we look at this mountaintop experience for Israel as, they're, as they are... Um, you know, seeing this darkness come down on the mountain, the thunder, the lightning, the trumpet sounding. Um, later on, they're going to see Moses' face shining, and you've got to cover it with a veil. Um, it's a pretty amazing scene, and it, and it really calls the importance of what's going on here. Um, there's darkness. There's a cloud of God's glory. That I guess that's what we call a. a, a a true mountaintop experience but but is this the only mountaintop experience that we're given in, Bi- in the Bible what's another mountaintop experience do you remember uh, Always a good always a good answer which one Transfiguration, transfiguration. remember what happened there the uh, see I did uh, he, they're Peter James John are on the mountain right and they're kind of sleepy because apparently these guys didn't sleep much they, they time guy <laughs> got along with Jesus to pray or anything they're like All right, come on really? Um, they were groggy and they wake up to this scene of Jesus praying and all of a sudden he's standing there and there are two guys on either side. Who are the two guys? Abraham, Elijah, and Moses. Elijah and Moses, right? So you have the law and the prophets on either side of Jesus. you think they're starting to get a clue? Maybe he has something to do with the law and the prophets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peter, Peter's great Lord in the, in the HCSB, It would be Lord! We should be making you a hut or something. Did Peter
1: think they um, were all the same, so, though? Peter? Yeah, or I think I think he thought they were all equal. Like, Jesus was equal with Moses, and he was equal with Elijah.
0: That's why he offered to build them a hut. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that might be an assumption. Uh, I don't know. I don't... Well, it's possible. That's before Jesus made his That's when God kind of revealed to him that Jesus was... Well, what happened there? He sees he sees the he sees the three. He makes a statement. Then he hears a voice. Right? Darkness has fallen. They're overwhelmed by this cloud. Very similar scenery. There's a big booming voice that happens. Jesus is transfigured. He just looks. Oh, he has this entire you know shiny thing going on with the <laughs> white cotton thing and the shining everywhere. And so, you, what's going on here? And Peter says. We'll make you huts, you know. And, 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 then, and, then, uh, and then the voice says something. He, didn't he like, interrupt Peter? Okay. But what, is he, what does he say? This is, yeah. this is my beloved son. This is my son, my chosen one. Hear him? Listen to him. Hear him. Listen to him. So, in the first mountaintop experience, we have uh, God, I'm the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt you have know the gods before me, and then the rest of the list. Ten Commandments. In this mountaintop experience, we have one commandment. Is this the eleventh one? This is an appendix. Oops, I forgot this one with Moses. It sums up. What, is, what, is, what, is, what is this? You said it sums it up. It's the, fulfillment. it's the fulfillment of the law. You can't do this. Right? You can't do this. Our hearts are idol factories, Calvin said. I, I, I always have something that's tugging at my heart that that's, draws my affections away from God. Right? You can't do this. What are some idols that we have? I talked with a, a group, and we'll talk about it on Friday. Family is an idol. Marriage. <laughs> a dweem within a dween. is is an idol um it it becomes a thing in our we call it family values oh i give everything for my children you know everything i pour i do everything for them that's an idol they're my life they're my They're my reason for being are my kids that's an idol um how about, uh, how about this one? Oh, I'm so glad I have him or her, depending on who you are. Um, and it does depend. Um, <laughs> clear. Um, I, if I don't have them, I, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. What is that? I, I find, you complete me, right? You complete me. What does that say? I don't have self-worth without her. Oh, sorry, her, or whatever. Whoever. I'm talking the guys. I don't have worth in myself without this person. Is that love? No. That's parasite. <laughs> The leech has two sisters. Give, give. And if you're both looking at each other going, <laughs> you die. Because I need you to have, you know, you die. That's not, that's, that's an idol. Yeah, we'll talk about that more on Friday. But that's an idol. Does that make sense? What are some other idols that we, uh, the polytheists in America have? School. School. Yeah. School. Education and the grades that go Oh, ahead. the wonders of education. Yeah. Yeah. If I just had this degree... I'd make all kinds of money because, you know, that's important too. I, I'd... Look, do all things to the glory of God. If you're a student, be a student to the glory of God. Don't make it an idol because it's not. It's worthless. There's always another degree to have. I feel that tug even now. I'm 40. I still, oh, I could do that. I, could... I wonder if my hours are translated over to this. I have this degree. That'd be really cool. It's an idol. Why do that? Does that, there are times when that's appropriate But it's not the God that we place upon it in American culture. What's another one? You said work. Getting out of it can be an idol. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about spending all your time? Oh, oh, yeah. That's a heavy burden, isn't it? Um, Again, work is good. Work is of God. Yes? We agree? But... It's not what completes me. Right? My identity is not in my work production during the week, the weekend, and all hours of the night. That's not where my identity is. That vies for my affections, that's an idol. That's a God that can be a God. I feel like anything that you spend more time with than you would spend in
1: fellowship with If I spend more time on Twitter than I spend, like, studying the Bible, that's probably
0: a problem. The Twitter God.
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't say time, though. I would say uh, anything that you put above its proper place. Because I, I spend a lot more time sleeping than I do
0: in the Word of God. And <laughs> well, I spend a lot more time eating. Because you understand Sabbath rest. <laughs> so, um, what, what is it about time? What is significant about how we spend our time? We talked about this on Friday.
1: There's not enough of it.
0: Well, there's so, that. It
1: forces you to prioritize. Well, we have to prioritize. And what does it
0: show where we spend it? It shows the affection of our heart. Yes. In all these things, we're
1: supposed to be in the presence of God. Right. So at work, you're in the presence of God. Right. And when
0: you're sleeping, you're in the presence of God. You are. So smile when you sleep. Mm-hmm. in the presence of God. When you're on Twitter. You can in 140 characters or less. Um, so, <laughs> So, this thing that Peter and James and John saw, it affected them. Uh, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, do you remember what they were discussing with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. Remember what it says there was in Luke 9.38? Do you remember the language that they used? The, the Greek there is... Well, there's a textual note. So I don't know this. The Greek there says they were discussing his exodus. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. How significant is that? Pretty, pretty significant, I think. And that's when the Father spoke. This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This is not an 11th commandment. It's not a amendment of the law. Jesus comes to the, fulfill the law, and he did it by perfectly fulfilling the very first of the Ten Commandments: "You shall have no other gods before me." Luke, chapter 9,
1: uh-huh. verse 38. And the man from the crowd cried out, teacher, I Is that, I you is that the wrong son. one? Did I do
0: the wrong one? Okay. I was <laughs> really yeah. confused. I'm sorry. It's okay. Luke. Oh, 28. I'm sorry, Luke 28, verse
1: 9.
0: I had late night dyslexia. Where is it? There's no Luke 28. Nine. I'm sorry, did I say 8? I said 38. 38. And that <laughs> <summer> <laughs> 28. Anyway, alright, that's where it is. It's in Luke 9. You guys need to quit the coffee a little.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he did it for you so that you can. Do you understand that? <clears throat> he fulfills the law so that you can. Why do I say so that you can? Because you couldn't
1: before.
0: Because you couldn't before. Why do we bother? Because we're called to. Because we're called to. Why do you say that? Why are we called to fulfill this? Because
1: we're a new creation.
0: A new creation. And what does that imply? It
1: implies obedience
0: out of love. Out of love. The law still shows us a pattern of godliness that we're to replicate, doesn't it? The law is a picture, a reflection of the nature of God that we are, as image bearers, to reflect as well. That was a straw, right? Okay. Um, The last thing uh, that we need in our culture is an anti-law church and an anti-law culture. Right, there are specific requirements for us, not as a as a, a a checklist, but as a drive for us to reflect the the nature of who god is it's a distinctive to us that we have um, a, a, a a a we have a code, and they're not just guidelines it 's not like the pirate code this is this is a this is something that, that, that uh, God has placed in us with a new heart. We love Him because He first loved us. And this is what undergirds our understanding of the law. It is a love response to His loving redemption. Does that make sense? And the first commandment calls us to that right, affection. We see God's love and in, uh, in His devotion to His people because He sent His Son. And it's the Son who alone... Shows us the Father. Um, we know we love because the Father, in His love, gave His Son, not only in Bethlehem, but on Calvary. So, great um, teacher named Ed Clooney that, or Ed Clowney, sorry, Ed, different Clooney, Ed Clowney that that uh, is really helpful has been helpful to me in understanding Jesus and and um, the, in the Old Testament. He, he finds Christ here, um, and, the, and the expression of God's love here, not only in sending Him, but in, in His exodus, in, his, in Calvary. In hearing Him, in hearing Christ, we honor the first commandment. Uh, when we worship Christ, we honor the first commandment. Right? That's an odd thing, isn't it? Does that take away from the God of Sinai to say that we worship Christ? Does that take away from what's going on there? No. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he told Philip. I am, well, we'll get to this next I'm the image of God that you should be worshipping, right? I am the expression of God that you should be worshipping. I am the second person of the Trinity. Um, When we worship Christ, we worship the one and only true God because of his own exodus on the cross delivers us from Egypt and from the captivity of our sin. Do we respond with a loveless law like the Pharisees? Do we respond like that? I mean, they did all these things. Matthew 23 kind of gives them all the woes to the to the Pharisees and 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 to the unfortunately the lawyers. Um, talk about how they push these rules, and there's no love for God, no love for their fellow man in doing these things. That's not what we're called here. That's not what this is, is calling for. It's calling for a heart affection. How do you get there? How do you obey this? Jeremiah 31. And what way? What, why do you say Jeremiah 31? Covenant, I give you, I'll, write I'll write the law on your heart. What does he start with? What does he start with? What's the first law he writes? You'll have no other gods before me, right? He starts with the new affection, the right affection. Do you go through periods of coldness toward Jesus? We're like, oh, why am I doing this? Why am I getting up again on Sunday morning? What, well, what do you do to fix that? What, what are some things that you, um, that you, how, how do you, how do you work on that? The, Okay, run to the mercy seat. That sounds great. That's nice poetic language. Be reminded of who God is. How do we do that? We go
1: back to Pray. the word.
0: Go back to the word.
1: And cry out Prayer. to Him.
0: Prayer. Back to the word. Mercy okay. seat. Time to just
1: like alone with God, like I did that yesterday, I at a moment where I like I cried out to God and like it was like kind of free from like my and my struggles. and then I had a time where I was just like. Now I'm going to learn from this. Like, you
0: show me, and so, he did. Yeah, there's but a... Not all, like, not specifically, but vaguely. There, I think fellowship. Also. Yeah. Fellowship community. Does that ignite our hearts and write affection for God? These are the means of grace. We're, all, we're talking, about, talking about what we talked about before. The means of grace that God has to stir up our affections for Him because we're always grasping for something else. We're always looking for the next wow thing you know and he orients our hearts toward moments like this of dependence upon him we'll do that we see he's faithful in those moments of dependence we can trust him because of what he's done and what he's doing in us alright love responding to his love that's the flow of these ten commandments I am you shall That's what we're going to see from here on out. Any other comments? Mm -hmm. Other statements? Yes, sir?
1: There's another verse in Scripture that talks about uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so a lot of these things that we mentioned are spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. Reading and praying and fellowship and serving and giving and all that. But the Bible says uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. seems like that it should be the reverse. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Mm -hmm. But if we put our time and our money and thoughts and our emotions and everything that we have, our treasure,
0: in God, mm-hmm. then our hearts follow. Right. And if we don't, our hearts follow whatever we're putting our treasure into. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Why is that? Your desires are now focused on delighting in Him.
1: The Bible puts it a different way, too. It says, what you sow, you will also reap. And it's the same concept.
0: <clears throat> okay. Okay. Good. Any other comments? Any, other, any questions?
1: I've always had a little difficult time um, uniting the law with the gospel mm-hmm. and this passage of the It's interesting. But um, the reason that God gave the law was to keep the Israelites because he promised Abraham that from him his seed would come to Christ. So he had to keep the Israelites, his people, and he gave them this covenant of the law mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, go to Christ, um, and then Christ came and fulfilled all that, so he, yeah, the Israel thing went away. Um, and another reason was because. Uh, well, I would say it went people. away.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say it was expanded.
1: Yeah. But the uh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another reason was to keep the people in sin, which sounds weird, mm-hmm. but um, it was do this <clears> and live. Um, they couldn't obtain righteousness through it, and. It was so impossible for them to keep the law mm-hmm. that they had to have a, a, a Savior, is mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the in the Protestant Reformation, they, they discussed, they debated over the two to three uses of the law. The first being, it's a tutor to bring us to Christ. And um, that that would, is the primary purpose that, that the Reformers found. I think it's an accurate deal is it. You feel the crushing weight of "You'll have no other gods. You shall have no other gods before me." How are we doing on that? Raise the hands, everybody. Fixed on that one? It's all good. Yeah, we all fail. I, I'm drawn to my kids in my life. I'm drawn to Tammy. You complete me. I'm drawn to all the all that kind of stuff. We all fail at that, and we have to be dependent upon the Father. We have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Reorienting our hearts and and transforming us day by day to have right affections, the psalmist cried, "Incline my heart to repent, incline my heart to love your law." These are things that God works in us, and we have to constantly be um, uh, what was it, uh, Matt I. Moody, uh, uh, constant vigilance. You know, uh, so you have this constant idea of of uh, of coming to the mercy seat, coming to the cross, coming to um, the the Realizing that my heart is still prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. <laughs> right? Um, and, and this commandment puts that in stark relief. Well,
1: it, it reveals the sin nature of man itself. Mm. And also, um, sorry. Go ahead. When uh, Christ was the second Adam, and when God, when God made his covenant with Adam in the garden, it was do this and live and there were no conditions in the Mosaic, There was, do this and live, but if you mess up, uh, there's a priesthood that can make sacrifices and atone for your sin. and well, Adam didn't have that choice, so when he sinned, it was just, that's it. Um, and then he was a sinner. And, but when Christ came through a virgin um, and the Holy Spirit, it was a, the picture of a pure, righteous person. This was the first righteous person that had come since Adam, mm-hmm. and so Christ was the only one that had the ability to the law, and he didn't have that uh, the ability for if he sins, then there's the priesthood that can make sacrifice in the person because he was the priesthood and,
0: and the, the sacrifice. he, yeah, he, he was had both. To fill the law, perfectly, right? And he right. Did, so. And he did, and he did it for for us, so that we can. What I'm sorry. Um, and it, we impute the righteousness. Yes, he well he imputes it to us. Yes, and we we, right. we get his. Yeah. Um, yes, it's exciting stuff. it is, and it should warm our hearts to think that he didn't have to do it. I mean, he didn't have to. Well, what, what, what love is this? That, that he would come from um, perfect fellowship with the Father <laughs> to be spit on, beaten, bruised, crucified, so that we can do what we're created to do which is love the Lord our God with our heart, so soul, mind, and strength. So, all right. Yes, sir?
1: I think you had to because by law we were all doomed because um, I think for every every commandment besides the 10th one that we're called to death, mm-hmm. we do it. And so I'm pretty sure I have broken just every
0: one of them. Yeah. Um, I stopped keeping I, track. I
1: needed a savior. Yeah. It's not that he... he
0: Well, when we say he had to, you mean in order to save us. If that's his objective, he didn't have to save us. I guess is the point he I'm getting at. Saw he saw our need, and love compelled him to do what we could not do for ourselves.
1: I had to share a question with
0: somebody really need because she asked a bajillion questions, and, and all of these, and even stopped at, So you mean that God Himself took on everything? For us, after we shouldn't have had it, and we were mean to him, we're like yeah. Like, and just the the awe and the wonder wow. in her face yeah. was it was such good worship for me because sometimes you know we get in our little Christian bubble and have heard it for so long that you just don't stop and really reflect on what that actually looks like yeah. and what the implications of all of that are. Yeah. And so it was like yeah, I don't know, it was really neat to have somebody who truly asked a whole lot of questions because usually I just get to share the gospel in brief and, and say things and try to, hit, you know, hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. But not really sit down and discuss and and through. at each point right. point, say, okay, so explain this, explain this, yeah. explain this. Well, that's cool. That's, good. that's a good opportunity to refine your own thinking, too, and people asking from a kind of a non-informed perspective. Yeah. Okay, anything else?
1: I'll put in my two, sir. All right, sir. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, I love, the, uh, I love the language here because at work I'm writing requirements for software and I've learned through years of practice that short, direct sentences is the best communicate very well. Right. And I love how targeted and explicit and exact the statement is. Yeah. Because th- those are the type of sentences I've been typing all week. Yeah. You shall, you, this thing, shall have no other guys before me. There's authority. There's. Uh, it's very explicit. It's targeted. Yeah. And it is precise. Yeah. It's that. It's a piece of the puzzle, and it's not ambiguous. Right. And uh, I know firsthand when you when you run ambiguous requirements, you mm-hmm. get ambiguous results. Right. And I'm going to have to change the name of that document to a the technical commandment specification <laughs> 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 instead <that> of <a> guidelines. <laughs> nice.
0: So you said there's. There's very specific authority. There's specific personal personality, Mm -hmm. personalness, and purpose purpose in it. There's he's king. He's personal, and um, and and he is to be obeyed. And if you love me, you keep my commandments. Yeah, there's There's a there's a a very flow to to Christ directly Mm -hmm. there. Good. Alright, y'all starting to wiggle in your seats so I know that your, your, your butts might be numb so I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll be done. <laughs> Father, thank you for making it clear to us our need for Christ. Thank you that you saw fit to reveal yourself in your word and most completely in Christ himself. So that he who knew no sin, who had never broken this commandment, became sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God, that we might be clean, pure, holy, set apart, cherished by you. God, help us to respond rightly to that amazing love you displayed for us in Jesus. That we would, from the heart, love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What a tall order. It's impossible, we can't do it, but thank you that by your grace, your spirit comes and transforms us slowly, inch by inch, painfully at times, To put away the detestable things and to love you and you alone. Teach us to lovingly respond to your loving redemption of us by being obedient to your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.